Welcome to Crosstown Cardboard, a sports card podcast with two collectors from opposite sides of New York City. Craig and Carmine share sports card stories from the perspective of a teacher and broadcaster. This is Crosstown Cardboard. Welcome to episode 24 of Crosstown Cardboard with my great friend Craig at New York City Sports Cards, the math teacher and the soccer coach. And we're holding up a couple Kobe cards. Craig, yours is a lot cooler than mine, an auto. Mine is just a base card from Top's Finest, a PSA 10, because it's the Kobe episode, episode 24. And in this episode, we're talking about falling out of love with a PC card. And I might as well introduce myself at Carmine's Cards, the sports and news broadcaster from New York, but now in Southern Oregon. And Craig, we brought up this episode topic because you had an interesting conversation on Instagram about one of your PC cards and it kind of assisted you in falling out of love with a different PC card. But before we get into that, I want to ask, how are you doing and how do you feel about our Kobe episode 24? Rest in peace, Kobe and Gigi, first and foremost. But excited to talk about this uh, particular episode today because the topic was sparked by a good friend of mine in a Harry Kane cards on Instagram. And he is the same person who came up with the phrase, a podcast card. So now, yes. here, no, so now here he is providing us with a podcast card and coming up with a podcast topic. So our guy is a, a big uh, helper in this cross down cardboard uh, content creation without him even knowing it. And you know, what's funny. The podcast card that he suggested was also Kobe with the oh soccer my ball. God. Episode 24, and now he's wow. contributing to episode 24 with this other assist. Thank you. I'm going to make sure Travis listens to this, so you're the homie. Thank you. But, yeah, you know, I think you hear others talk about when you look into your personal collection and you sift through it, and you got to make that tough decision sometimes of, damn, you know what? I got to sell this card to fund that one. That's not really – the dilemma that I face for me, it's more like naturally these cards just for some reason and the reasons we're going to get into, you just fall out of love with it. A card maybe you had for a while that at one point you bought and now you look back on it and you say, why did I buy this card? But maybe that's just us uh, progressing in the hobby and growing and, and changing our interests. But we're going to get into a couple of examples of instances where we've just fallen out of love with the card that we bought and the reason why. Yeah. And so it could be, and I feel like in your case, and I would love for you to dive into this topic that sparked the topic idea that we're talking about today of falling out of love with a PC card, because it wasn't really so much of you thinking, why did I buy this card just because it was a silly purchase, but really because of what was brought to light about another PC card you bought influencing how you felt about this other card. So can you explain that a little bit more? I will preface this with the example I gave you on our pre-recording that I've never sat courtside at an NBA game, but it is very high up there in my bucket list. I don't care where it is. I don't care what the teams are. And I, I don't want to trip the players, but I want to have the capability of tripping players for, you know, that I'm that close. <laughs> or or you, could, you could do the Jason kid of like, you know, spilling the drink exactly. like by accident, you know, to get a little time out. That's how close you want to be. 
Right. So uh, Larry David tripping Shaq-esque, if you will, Boom. for the, all you Curb fans out there. But the equivalent of what I'm going to explain here is if, you, if I ever do sit courtside, if you sit yeah. courtside at a game, it's going to be hard to go to the nosebleeds the next day. Right. True. Once you once you've hit the mountaintop, you might not look at other seats the same. I right. fear of that. But recently I, you know, Weston McKinney, he's a midfielder for the US national team, and he plays for Leeds United in the Premier League right now. And he's somebody that I collect. A couple of weeks ago, I traded one of his 2018 Optic Purple Velocity rookie cards and a PSA nine out of 125. There's a cool story behind me getting that card because I got it from National from a collector who owns a store in South Korea. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that was, a, that was a fun trade to get that. So at least it was a good story behind it. But I traded that card a couple of weeks ago actually for a loss. I just – I fell out of love with it. And I think part of it was it wasn't super, super limited. It's a card I could get back. But a big reason is I'm looking through my collection – and I'm looking at this Weston McKinney one of one super fractor and a PSA 10 that yeah. I picked up from National. A pop one, if you couldn't guess. That's I'm looking at the I'm looking at this uh rated rookie numbered out of 25 PSA 10 and a pop four. Also, Weston McKinney, one of your also is, he, is he your is he your favorite guy or is he right yeah, up there with he's, he's my favorite player, right? Okay, number so, one. Okay. In talking to Travis, his his exact quote in talking about these Weston McKinney cards was but seriously, and I'm quoting him, what McKinney card are you going to go after after you got that one of one? And it's so true because it feels like if you really collect a player and you attain these high-end cards, you set the bar. You set, you set a new standard for kind of what you look for. So maybe I didn't have these cards at the time, but now that I've attained bigger Weston McKinney cards, those lower-end ones, they just don't hit the same. So... This leads me to a reporter follow-up question, what we call accountability questions when we're talking about like asking a mayor or asking a you know leader of an athletic organization, a follow-up to hold them accountable for their decisions. Let me ask you this now. You have the one of one. So does that mean that you're not going to collect like that out of 199 ever again? Or you know what I mean? Like, because you still want to add to your McKinney PC. So like, even though you're probably not going to hit that standard or rarely again, how do you consider adding to the McKinney PC now? Well, if at the time I was willing to pick up a card in a PSA nine numbered out of 125, that was, you know, an acceptable card or something I'd be looking to trade for or buy. So it's not to say that I'm, you know, I'm only settling for one of ones, but somewhere in between a card numbered out of one and a card numbered out of 125. Okay. So lower pop type stuff. So it's interesting because you, even though you really liked that card that you moved on from, you were open to having your collecting PC feeling influenced by a point somebody brought up. So that that's interesting because you're always learning on that front, even though, yeah, even though like you have been collecting McKinney and it's just interesting how when somebody brings up one point, you know, that can change your thoughts on your PC. That's it. And that's, that's what we hope to bring on this podcast that you take out one little tidbit from something we say, and it starts to 
expand your thoughts on your collecting. So did that just make it easier for you to part with that card and involve it in a trade or like, cause you also, I'm sure you didn't just move on from it. Like, Oh, I got to sell this immediately. Like what was your thought in the trade that you moved it on into? That was what you talked about last episode, part of the Tim Tebow and the Walter Payton card. So I traded it okay. for, for a little more liquidity, which I could then hopefully use to fund something that I really do love a lot. Okay. So your goal is down the line to move that McKinney that was once in your PC for maybe some more money to add to your PC maybe again in the future. Yeah. I mean – my goal ultimately is always to try to pick up a card that goes into the Zion case right here and stays there. But sometimes yeah. it takes five, six, seven, eight transactions to get there. Yeah. So one of the factors is when you lose some love for a PC card or fall out of love with it is when you get a better card. <laughs> that yeah, guy. that's pretty much it. Okay. So that's one factor. So how about this, Craig? When I picked up this magic johnson mm. flawless patch auto with a chunky patch from one of his letters numbered out of 10 the gold edition 2018 19 the vertical flawless patch out of 10 with the on-card auto and i gotta tell you i picked this up at the burbank show in a trade if you've watched our burbank vlog part two or if you haven't, I would highly suggest watching any of our vlogs to see us in action and, you know, bring you to a show that maybe you weren't able to go to. And so I have to be honest, I picked this up. I traded partially into it with three cards and a thousand dollars in cash. And I was into it for sixteen fifty. I think it's at least a two thousand dollar card. So I was cool with where I was at on it. And I looked at it. It had a soft corner on one side, but I'm like, you know what? Let me grade this because I saw a BGS nine at one point went for twenty five hundred like probably eight months ago, summer of twenty twenty two. So I'm like, if this gets a nine, I could easily claim that it's a twenty five hundred dollar card and they haven't a one hasn't publicly sold since then. So they're super rare with the vertical out of ten. Very desirable card from a flawless set. So. I sent it off to BGS grading at the Burbank show. I wanted to get a raw card review, but I'm such a rookie that I didn't realize if you go there on Sunday, they can't guarantee that they can get it back to you same day before the show ends. So I had to officially send it off. So I'm like, okay, you know, I wanted to get a raw card review to see if I should fully go through with it. If it doesn't come back the grade I want, I would just take it out of the raw card review. How long did so it take for the door? Oh, it was quick. It was like, I think it was three and a half weeks. Oh, we'll, and they, and they told, well, it wasn't the standard. It was like the one level up from standard because they said the standard would be two to three months. The um, like one step up from that was like a month and a half. So yeah, I was we, like, all right, let we me ain't got time for that. Yeah, I was like, let me do it a little quicker. So they, they guaranteed a month and a half. I got it back in three and a half weeks. So basically half that time. So it came back. I was like, at least a nine. I was hoping for a nine. It came back an eight. So it's a little bit better because BGS recently went to the silver labels for the eights instead of the paper labels. So that makes it a little bit better. The corners, they gave me a 7.5. And I thought like the one corner was a little soft, but I didn't think 7.5. Mm. 
centering was a nine five edges a nine surface an eight overall grade of an eight so all that explanation just to say that i thought it was going to be in my pc but now because it came back an eight instead of at least a nine i'm much more likely to fall out of love with it like i would trade down off of it for like a 2000 to 2500 value now i'm into it after the grading costs and the insurance and everything for another 100 so i'm into it for 1750 so that's one of the reasons that i recently saw for falling out of love with what i thought was going to be a pc card just because of the rarity the on card auto the chunky patch that now I've fallen out of love with it a little bit. Still a nice card. Forgetting about the grade. And at least yeah. one of the smartest things Beckett did was changing that ugly eight grade, which, man, I got a couple here. Yeah. If you look at what's, uh, the eight grade used to be at the paper. Yeah. yeah. But no, that's very, it's interesting that you say that about the grade because, you know, we're, we're both active. You know, it's not all just PCing. We like to flip and, yeah, I mean, the grade could be a factor. If you you hope to uh, PC a card, you, you think it's nice and clean, but all of a sudden doesn't get the grade you want, sometimes that just doesn't doesn't hit the same. Yeah. So I, I get that. You know, you hear buy the card, not the grade, which I support, but I also totally can get behind you wanting to move on from it and just start a new adventure with it. Yeah, because if I'm PCing a card... I want to feel secure on a lot of different fronts that it's going to hold its value. So like, for example, the Larry bird, and this is, you know, I I think we've referenced this card every single episode since I got it. it. Worth it. Yeah. Because it's my, my favorite card in my collection. And I traded away the tiger woods SP authentic rookie auto that's behind me for it. And it's the flawless dual vertical patches from 1415 flawless with the on card auto chunky patches numbered out of 25 and it's the bgs 95 which is a pop two but it's the highest graded of those two and because it's a bgs 95 i have much more confidence of it holding its value like because it's you know pretty much i mean other than a bgs 10 which is rare and then a black label 10 which is extremely rare Having it in a in a BGS 9.5 or a PSA 10 of that card, I'm much less likely to want to move on from it or fall out of love with it because I know it's a super high grade. So I feel like that's one of the biggest factors of me falling out of love with a card is if I'm like, if I start to ruminate and continue thinking about the factors of why I like this in my PC... Now that this is an eight, like you said, it's an awesome card, but it just doesn't give me all those levels of security on something that I want in my PC. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I get the levels of security and I kind of felt something similar when you talked about holding its value. So Giannis is a player that I collect and around this time last year. So gearing up for another playoff run, I was picking up a lot of different Giannis type stuff. Everything from game-worn jerseys, game-worn patches, on-card autographs. I had some sticker autographs. I had a lot of prism-colored cards. Okay. And as the playoffs was approaching, I'm like, okay, I do love Giannis, but I don't need all of these. So when is the time – when do you fall out of love with the card? It was just me taking a step back at all my Giannis collection 
and figuring, okay, yes, I want to collect Giannis, but in what lane do I want to collect him at? So, for example, Jordan collectors, I'm sure, aren't collecting every single Jordan card possibly made. There are some Jordan collectors who collect autographs. There are some Jordan collectors who specialize in 90s inserts. So for me, it was, okay, of these Giannis cards, what do I really like? And I stuck with the on-card autographs from his early years and the game-worn patches. Everything else, especially I had some like second, third, fourth year numbered prism cards. I'm like, you know what? I just don't see this staying in my collection for a long time. I don't see it holding its value. It's not as special and unique as the autographs. So I fell out in love with those. I sold them during the run-up and I kept all the Giannis stuff that I love and I still have from over a year ago. Okay, nice. So I think the three, I just like to provide some type of recaps, like in the midst of all of our explanations. So like just to boil it down, the three reasons so far that we've listed as far as falling out of love with a PC card. The first one that you mentioned was getting a better card, getting a banger (laughs) of that player, getting a banger of that player that then makes the other ones more movable because they're not as cool and you don't have as close of a connection to them or they're not as valuable as the other one. The second one is when it's not the grade that you had hoped for. And the third one is when you just simply have too many of that player where you're like, okay, I can move some of these because I have more reinforcements that I like more. Yes. And not just moving it for the sake of moving it. Like if I loved prisms, they probably would have stayed, but I'm just, I'm taking a a macro look at everything and, those cards just didn't – is the third time I'm saying this and there's a reason for it. Those cards just didn't hit the same for whatever now, for whatever reason that might be. Now, how about this also? It seems like – and I've felt this way too – just time being a factor as far as like you've had those for a while. You like looking at them. But, you know, even with a relationship sometimes too, you know, you have a relationship with your cards. You have a relationship – us – you know, growing up until you got married now, you know, different girlfriends or whatever your relationship was. And sometimes the time just that spark isn't quite there anymore. Wow. I love, I love the connection to cardboard in real life. You're so philosophical, Carmine. And I just had a random thought that I needed to just put out there. Okay, um, looking at the uniform that you're wearing western union and i could just picture cutting out the western U- union logo and making that like a logo patch card of yours one day let's go a little logo action now not to offend our boy cousin oz from the cousins collectibles podcast and the wolf pack but i'm currently wearing a nikola Jokic jersey and you know he's a big Embiid guy he's Really, really going after his uh, Philadelphia 76ers, Joel Embiid, to finally win an MVP and prevent the Joker from winning three in a row. So don't want to get too far down uh, that rabbit hole. But we do have a very exciting guest coming up to continue our Philly series of collectors. We've had three so far. This is probably going to maybe top it off with our fourth guest in a few weeks. So we don't want to say too much about that because... I don't want it to fall through, but it's somebody from the broadcast realm that you have probably seen on national TV before. Why don't you just why don't you just hold up a picture of him while you're at it? <laughs> I just want to tease. You're the king or of the her, team. Or her. Or her. Him or her. Or, or her. Yes. We don't want to give too much away. So let me ask you this, Craig, because you mentioned the philosophy 
I got this now, this magic. We're going to go back to referencing the flawless magic on card auto numbered out of 10 with a chunky patch BGS eight. What's your thoughts on having this continue to be in the BGS eight slab or cracking it to put it in a one touch and have it raw? Funny you should say, maybe we could have a little talk therapy session right now because I have a, I have a card in a similar situation. Okay. This is actually a really cool one. You ready for this? Yes. So Panini Status is a brand that was only out for a couple of years. Tatum's rookie year and Luca's rookie year. So 2017-18, 2018-19. And they had a set called Draft Night Signatures, which the concept is the night they got drafted, Panini had them sign a bunch of stickers. So okay. in theory, this is their first autograph card, right? Yeah. I bought one of those value boxes. It wasn't Boombox. I think it was called Collectible Card Club. Early pandemic. So I, pay, I paid $50 for a mix of packs. And there was one single pack of 2017-18 Panini status. And in that one single pack, I pulled the Jason Tatum Draft Night Signatures. Dude, that's nice. And get this. This is numbered one out of 31. So in theory, this is the first autograph of Jason Tatum, at least on a sticker in the Panini. Wow. Brand. But that's got to be, I mean, looking at it, if you're watching on the Crosstown Cardboard YouTube, that's got to be a fat sticker because that's a, it is. a very tall it auto. Is. It's fat. And I got absolutely robbed by Beckett because this is a thick card. And okay. thick, thick cards are tough to grade. 9.5 right. edges, 9.5 surface, 9 corners. They give me a 7.5 on centering. Oh, really? Yeah, brutal. But the point is, how is that the, centering a seven? I don't, the card is off center where the action is to begin with. So how do you listen? I got absolutely robbed. I'm gonna have to talk to someone over at Beckett. But point being, wow. point, being point being card is in a BGS eight, which kind of looks ugly, especially with this paper slap. So yep. your question was, you know, what do you do with it? In this yeah. case, this is such a unique card that I look at it as I don't mind keeping it in here because at least it's preserved. Yeah. If I ever want to one day crack it or get it resubbed, I'll always have the option. But it's not a card I plan on moving because I did pack pull it. So I think of it as do I someday want to crack out of this eight? Possibly. Do I need to right now as an urgent? Probably not. You have such great luck pulling big time cards out of packs. That that was that might have been the luckiest I've ever gotten in my life. Because you've pulled that one. And then if you just reference our last episode of hobby expansion and retention, talking about some of your pulls as a kid, pulling that, or or actually even more recently, that Jim Brown auto and the Derek Jeter patch auto. Is it just me or are you like really have like the the magic hands in these pack pulled scenarios? Is that a magic reference to the card that you were just holding up? Oh, no, it's not. But thank you for uh, <laughs> no, it. I mean, 20 years of collecting, you're bound to hit a few card, good cards here and there. Okay. So it's more just the numbers the game of the time. No, I, really, now, I, I, didn't, I didn't rip that much in my lifetime. I, I did get lucky a few times. I'll admit that. So that Tatum, here's uh, let's get more specific with, with talking about cracking it or keeping it in the BGS 8 slab. Now, with that Tatum, because everything else is is a great grade on it, other than the centering, which, you know, 
seems like very debatable, a robbery, we would say, for uh, that card in particular. Because you wouldn't, if you cracked it, you wouldn't have to explain to anybody else what's wrong with that card. Like, oh, it has a soft corner or, oh, it has some edge wear because everything else is really good grade wise on that. You wouldn't even have to mention the centering because to the eye and probably to a lot of other graders, maybe even the centering looks good. Like, you know, the cards off center to begin with just based on the design. So would that affect your likelihood to crack it in addition? Cause like, you know, I might have to explain, especially on a higher end product being flawless here. Hey, this magic has a soft corner, seven, five corners. So in your situation, you wouldn't really have to explain that. Does that factor into your decision to crack it too? Well, I think it kind of ties into the theme today of falling out of love with the card. That if I fell out of love with that card and I knew I was moving on from it, it would probably make sense to crack it, try to get a better grade and make as much money as I can on it. But because that's a card I'm PCing for a number of reasons, the uniqueness, the story behind the set, it is my only Tatum card. So I feel like my collection needs a Tatum. I have my one. And the fact that I pack pulled it, it's going to be a PC card. So for me, yeah. it's like, what's the point? Yeah. I know I know it's being preserved. Maybe one day I'm in a situation where there's a streamlined process between cracking a Beckett slab and getting a PSA grade that I don't have to worry about all the hassle. But right now, I'm, it, it's in my personal collection. It's there to stay. So I'm totally content keeping it where it is. Okay, I got you. Yeah, because I think if I was in a rush to move off this magic, which I'm not, and that's part of the the nice thing about when you fall out of love with a PC card, like as long as there's still some love there, you can still keep it until you get that right offer. You know, it's it seems like a very rare situation where you'd say, oh, all of a sudden this card that was in my PC, now I hate it. I got to sell it immediately. You know, like you can still wait for the right offer. So maybe if I was like really, you know, in a situation that you just presented where you're like, oh, okay, I w- really want to move off of this and make it as valuable as I can. Now I'll crack it because sometimes a raw card might be better than a BGS eight in certain situations where, you know, especially if people think, oh, I could grade that and get a better grade. You know, if there's like a possibility for a nine there, a lot of people are like way more infatuated with the gamble they could take rather than already knowing for sure it's an eight. Yeah. Um, in your situation though, I don't know. I, I don't know what I would do if I were you. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think anyone's necessarily buying that card for the great. I, I think that's it's the true card. too. That's numbered that's out true. of what? Numbered out of 10. There you go. But I just like, had a- no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I mean, kind of unrelated, but we keep thinking about like falling out of love with the card. I remember early, maybe mid 2020 when I was sending cards into grade for $20 a pop and I, I got a Russell Wilson 2012 tops um, rookie, base rookie card and it came back in a PSA 10. And I swear, I remember having the exact thought to myself, are you kidding me? Russell Wilson, PSA 10, Hall of Famer. Man, I'm keeping this card forever. <laughs> Joke's on me, right? So yeah. falling out of love with the card, I think part of that is just growing and maturing as a collector. Yeah, that's true too, you know, and that happens over time. And also Russell Wilson Bum. Could, be, could, could be a decent – oh, don't say that. Come on. 
Eh, You're going to call him a bum now? What what about his full career? He won a Super Bowl. I hear too many weird things about Russell Wilson and his teammates' perception of him. Oh, that remember the whole thing with the doing like exercises and high knees on the plane? Like, nah, too much, too much. Not because he's yet. a little, he's a little too much, a little corny. Yeah, a little, a little too corny. He actually probably fit in well with us. With the, with the, <laughs> uh, with the, with the Broncos country. Let's ride. Oh, that, exactly. that whole thing. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I could see, but you know, this could be a resurgence for Russell Wilson with the new coach. You know, new year. Fair. I don't know. Could could be different, but. uh yeah, another one that you might be surprised, Craig, that I have fallen out of love with a little bit, not fully, is my Larry Bird one of one here. Really? And, you know, I'm I'm comfortable having a little therapy session because sometimes that's what our episodes are. But, you know, it's the Larry Bird impeccable one of one on card auto with the game used jersey that has the stripe, which I think is probably from the arm shoulder piece of the jersey psa 9 with a 10 auto one of my best cards but it's a similar reason to your mckinney because i i would say mckinney is right is he your top guy who you pc i only own four mckinney cards so i i feel it's kind of hard to say that but yeah he's someone i seek out when i'm going to a show yes okay so like larry bird would be you know on par with the pc guys that you know, your PC level of McKinney because he's my number one guy who I PC and then magic would be in there and tiger. Those are my top three guys that I think most people who tune in would know by now, but because I have the flawless that I like more, even though it's not a one of one, but with the chunky patch and it's flawless, which is my favorite brand. And it's in a better grade of a BGS nine, five compared to a PSA nine. I've fallen out of love with the bird a little bit because I love the flawless other bird that I have more. And another factor that I would throw into the reasons for falling out of love with a PC card is how much money you have invested in the bird or in, in, in the card, but in my case, the bird. So like I have three K into this bird and so I'm wondering to myself, would I rather have 3K or hopefully more? You know, I always hope to make a profit. Or would I rather have that bird? And so because I have the other bird that I have 3,400 into, I kind of don't want two birds of that high of value of a few thousand. You know what I mean? So like that's causing me to want to maybe turn that one of one bird into more liquid stuff that I can maybe get something else or turn into, you know, more profit as opposed to keeping that locked up in my PC. And now I have $6,400 worth of two bird cards in my PC. I get it. Listen, like this, uh, this Erling Holland red refractor, I don't know if you're following. He is on absolute fire right now. Yeah. From what you're telling me. Yeah. I, I would not sell that card for a hundred dollars. I wouldn't. I would sell it for a million dollars. I think people would. <laughs> there, okay. There's a threshold somewhere in between a hundred and a million. Somewhere in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I I've never had the situation yet where there's a card of mine that I absolutely love in my PC, but 
someone offer me just a value I, I can't refuse. So if, yeah. that, if that situation comes up, we may have to come on here and uh, do a little emergency therapy session before I sell said card. Everything's got a price. Yeah. Everything has a price. Exactly. And we talked about it too. I was like presenting you with with situations and scenarios after we recorded our last episode. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, knowing what you have into it, what would you take for that? Like, cause, and everybody's human. Like once that money's in front of you, it's a much different story compared to when you're just thinking of that number in your head, you know, like you're like, ah, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't sell that for whatever two grand and then you're like somebody comes up to your table at a show and like hey i have two grand cash i'm gonna offer that on your card and you're like oh (laughs) Uh, uh, now it feels a little different you know now it feels a little different if i can put that two grand in my fanny pack and walk around the show and see what i can do with it or just have two thousand dollars to pounce on any situation that pops up whether that be for another pc card or to just know that you can try to buy stuff at like 80% of comps and keep that wheel turning for flipping. So, you know, cause that's what happened with my tiger card at the Burbank show that, uh, you know, dual piece of the match used shirt, the golf gear, the birdie edition, that was the BGS nine five with the on card auto. And I had a $3,500 price tag on it. And the last comp was three K but when I got it, I traded into it for 2K because that was the previous last comp. So I'm like, oh, I don't want to move this card. But, you know, I fell out of love with it when I fell more in love with the cash of a 3K <laughs> offer. So I'm like, what do I want more? Am I really in love with this for my PC for the long term? Or would I rather have a thousand? Actually, it was close to an $1,100 profit on that card. That really when the price was right, I fell out of love with that card in my PC. You know, it's an easy way to fall out of love with the card. What quick, uh, quick jab to anyone on Instagram who does this, when you list a card for, I don't know, a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth time in a row, I, I'd fall in love, out of love with that card too. If you uh, so, so desperately trying to get rid of it and no one wants it. Yeah, that's true too. You, anyway. you keep getting rejected <laughs> to sell it and then you're like all of a sudden this? you're like damaged you, goods yeah you steadily go from this is a pc card i'm gonna stick to this value there's no way i'm selling this for less i'm gonna list it high and keep it in my pc unless somebody hits that value and then the next second third fourth time you list it you're like i don't know if i really like this card that much <laughs> you know and then you're like and then you steadily you're like I actually am starting to dislike this card. And then by the 10th time you're, you're listing it, or, you know, hopefully you don't have to list it that many times if you're trying to sell it, but then you get that little sour taste in your mouth and you are just willing to move off it for much less than what you thought, you know? So it's also different if you PC stuff and you're putting it away versus like what Rob, our buddy at the sports card therapist also does that I've really liked where he prices his cards that are in his PC high, puts them in his case. And if that right offer comes along or the opportunity to trade into something better of that guy or of just a different card comes along that you might like more, you still allow yourself to have those opportunities, even using your PC cards as a vehicle 
to possibly get into something else, which I think is smart, you know, because you lock away your PC cards and sometimes you might miss out on an opportunity for something you could like more. Fair. And last point until we get to some pickups related to our good friend, Rob, the sports card therapist is the way he's been collecting now has been hall of fame, rookie on card autographs. Mm -hmm. And I, pretty sure there was a time period where Rob was just collecting significant rookie cards. Forget about the autographs. So it's like once you get a little taste of that on-card autograph, you fall out of love with the basic stuff. And again, it goes back to that point, the original point I made, when you sit courtside, it's hard to go right to the nosebleeds. Yeah. And then when you start getting something unique, it's hard to go back to the commons. There you go. So, so, what, what should we go through with uh, – were you going to get into some pickups? Yeah, only only one pickup. Uh, you know what? I actually have a bunch of stuff coming in the mail. I am having such a good time not buying lots, but a card here, a card yeah. there. This yeah. is a, one I just picked up. This is from this year's Prism World Ooh, Cup. Yes, you showed me that. You showed me that. Wow. That's nice. So here, here's a fun little fact about this is, you know, Prism nowadays, there's so many parallels. Yep. But Prism World Cup only comes out – every four years. So 2014, 18 and 22. And there are only, I wrote it on my Instagram caption for this card, but there are only eight parallels. I think it's like red, blue, purple, gold, gold power, black. I think I'm missing one that have been in all three years. So that made me think a lot about continuity and how important that is when looking to pick up a card, because it appears as if the red prism will always stand the test of time. And it's messy from his, uh, World Cup winning year. Yes. And I loved your caption on Instagram too, because you were like, another reason why that could be cool for your PC is, you know, he finally won his first and only World Cup that year. And and you, you know, wrote it really well on Instagram saying like, this is who we'll remember from that World Cup. Also Mbappe with his incredible three goal performance in a losing effort in the World Cup final. But that's the World Cup that Messi won his first and only one and cemented him even more as one of the goats. Exactly. You know, I, I try to put thought into my captions. It was passion, great. Passion behind the cards. Yes, yeah. I, and I loved that. And here's another reason, Craig, and I'm just thinking about it now, uh, of another thing that's helping me fall out of love with or lose a little bit of love for the magic flawless auto is that i just picked up this beautiful flawless game used patch numbered out of 25 but it's the j of johnson on the magic johnson jersey and i just look at this card that i got from empire state sports cards on instagram and i'm like this is a pc card because I've never seen one like this with a patch with the J it being the first letter of his last name, a full letter, you know, similar to the DeMar DeRozan game used patch that I brought in that I have really been like thinking about PCing, not just game used patches, but game used letters. Cause that's even cooler and more rare um, that, you know, and the DeRozan has the R letter from his game used Jersey. And plus it's my favorite brand with it being flawless. So I'm like, that's a perfect PC pickup for me. Uh, even if it influences me falling out of love with a different PC card, 
and that's an awesome Giannis right there, the game gear. I think it's the letter O. So that's that's super cool too. Uh and that that just that's something you don't see hardly ever. So that's one of the reasons why uh I was I was thinking that that uh, we're now we're getting into actually a better topic of falling into love with a PC card and uh, two more pickups that I wanted to talk about because they're, they're PC cards. This Wilt Chamberlain exquisite game used Jersey numbered out of 25. And remember, I think I mentioned on one of our previous episodes, the bill Russell from the same set, Craig, same set, game used piece of the warm up jersey or warm up shirt because it has the wool on it, also numbered out of 25. And then, so I picked up that Wilt, same set. You know, you have, that, you have the classic rivalry. And uh, great set. That's the MJ. Great. Did you see the MJ? Yes, that's the one you have. Oh, same cool. set. Okay. So for anyone who's listening, it's 2006, 2007. Extra exquisite quad game one jersey. Great set. Yeah. And that's awesome that you also have one from the same set. So you have the Jordan. I have now the yeah, we're twinning. I have the Russell and the Chamberlain. So I posted that Wilt when I got it. And then I posted the Russell right after. Like, what a pairing for you know now because I was considering moving the Russell, but then once I got the Wilt to go with it, I'm like, gotta keep that seat. Gotta timeless keep pieces timeless and such old game used materials too you rarely see game used stuff pop up from russell and wilt and your jordan is also super cool so once i posted the wilt and the bill i knew they were from the same year of course same set with that extra exquisite quad also numbered out of 25 one of my buddies on instagram pointed it out and he's like dude, that's awesome. They match. I'm like, yeah, I know. He's like, no, not only that, they're both number nine out of 25. So they're the same serial number from the same set of the same year from one of the all-time great rivalries between two guys and two teams. And I'm like, it blew my mind. I'm like, this was meant to be PC. So falling into love with those two PC cards there and the magic patch at the same time. Wow. Yeah. See, those, those are the types of cards of, of Bill Russell quad game worn yep. wilt quad game one from a, a brand like exquisite in the mid two thousands. That's one of those types of cards that you could hold on to forever and never, ever have to worry about something like that. Losing yeah. value. It's always going to be a story to tell. Yep. So great pickups there. I support that. Those are two types of cards. Personally, if I saw it at a show, I would probably look and inquire about. Yeah. And I got the Russell at the Burbank show, showed it off in the vlog. Mm-hmm. And you got that Jordan at National, right? I did. Yes. Uh, oh, National. Good way to end the show and talk about the Wolfpack trade night, the Friday yeah. night of National. Yes. So that's happening. That's yeah. a real thing. Yeah, that was crazy. Organized by some of the more adult members of uh, our Wolfpack. You know, we're, 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 we're the, the, we're the youngsters. We bring the youth. Yeah, we still sit at the kids' table. That's fine. Hey, if I'm going to sit at the kids' table, it would be with you. The heart, 
the heart emojis are flying from our virtual uh, love fest. So, yes, the Wolfpack trade night and hobby hangout. I'm just reading off the official flyer. July 28th, which is the Friday, right? You said Friday night of national Thursday is card collector two's trade night. Friday night is the Wolfpack event. It's the only event that I know of happening Friday night of national. And it will definitely be one to go to. It's, uh, it's right across from the actual national in Rosemont, Illinois, which a lot of people it's Rosemont, right? It's not Chicago. It's Rosemont. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, you know, the, it's, it's, advertised as chicago we'll, we'll say we'll still say it's a uh, summertime shy because it sounds cool i like it so it's from six to nine in the evening at the crown plaza five four four zero north river road directly across the street from the national cash bar live dj hopefully live dancing from as you like to say the best dancer in the hobby the michael jackson impersonator the people's mailman oz we hope to see some moves. So that's a, that's a direct uh, request for one of our Wolfpack members. Giveaways and more. So, of course, uh, Rob, Sports Card Therapist, is going to be there. The cousins, Tony and Oz. Us, the two members of Crosstown Cardboard. Ken, at Sports Card Lessons. And Dave, DJ Sports Cards 86. So that's pretty, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool pretty to cool. have a Wolfpack, Wolfpack trade night on the Friday of national that's big stuff from our guys there. So shout out to them for really being behind organizing it. Mm-hmm. And Craig, you will be attending trade night or you won't be attending. Cause I know you're trying to push back your flight with a wedding on that Saturday. That's it. Trying to trying to push back my flight at least a couple hours, but I'll be present one way or another. A couple okay. months away. A couple months still national. I know. I know. So I'll be there as well and so will everybody else in the wolf pack so if you have to leave early i'll just get you on the facetime and and we can talk while you're going through tsa or while you're in the uber or whatever until you get on the flight so because you can't have that fomo from from missing you know such a such a cool event and such a big step forward for all of us to be crazy four months hosting a trade night on at national i mean that's that's like a pat on the back for everybody in the wolf pack right there that's cool and our network because we want every, everyone that we know should get to enjoy this four months yeah. from now, four months. Um, yeah. Until then, Carmen, I am going to a show Sunday. I'm very excited to walk the show. It's been a minute since I've walked the show. John from Behind the Diamond is having oh, a battle on show. Great guy. And I will be at trade night next week, but we'll record an episode before then. So maybe we could talk about the show in our next episode. Yes, for sure, bro. So what are you looking for real quick? Nothing. Whatever catches my eye. Love As it. always. Just open to the opportunities. Open to anything. All right, big dog. I think we, we went through some reasons of falling out of love with a PC card. And then, of course, because our heart is in the hobby, falling into love with other PC cards. So I love. really enjoyed this one. Love. Love. Love for all. That's right. Love for all who have love for all. Oh, a poetic way to end. Nick's lost. Julius Randle wasted 57 point performance. Oh, man. Yeah. Almost dropped a 60 burger in a loss. But hey, playoffs are around the corner, baby. Let's go, Knicks. Let's go. New York sports are back. Sources are saying. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Still back. 
Okay. Okay. Confirmed. Cool. Good to know. All right, bro. Peace.